0: I look back, and here you are. You've got the phone out filming. You're like, hey, man, everything okay? (laughs) It's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael Houndog Harrison.
1: Hey, welcome to episode 81, the Phil Kessel edition of the podcast. I mean, really, what other athlete could I go with for this one? The man is an absolute legend who surprisingly has shaken off his bad reputation early in his NHL career and turned himself into a cult hero. He's a three-time All-Star, two-time Stanley Cup champion, and he's on an insane Ironman streak with over 950 consecutive games played. Of course, his exchange with Pierre Maguire is the stuff of legend and quite possibly was the TSN turning point in fans' thoughts about him. Honestly, how could you hate a man who had this back-and-forth with Pierre Maguire. How's your breath? It's it's not good, eh? <laughs> <laughs> no, I meant in terms of conditioning. Oh. <laughs> I can't believe that. Kessel was also the perfect athlete to have for this episode, because as of this recording, the NHL trade deadline is just a few days away, and it would be so cool if he were dealt. I figured I'd have on a recurring guest to talk about the deadline and other such hot topics. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, now welcome on one of my best friends, but not my best friend, Adam Scully. He was on episodes 9, 43, 61, and now is back a fourth time in studio. He's the host and producer of Golf Talk Canada Junior Hockey Magazine and was in the OHL brag.
0: Welcome back to the H-Dog Pod, Adam. Michael, it is a pleasure to be here, and the fact that we're in studio is awesome. But because we're in studio, I have to ask you the question. Sure. How's my breath?
1: <laughs> yes, that's definitely... Uh, obviously, we played that clip off of the introduction of this podcast. Phil Kessel. Really, though, if you are Phil, when Pierre Maguire asks you that question, I don't blame Phil for having that response. It would I, I would probably have the exact same
0: uh, response the same way, wouldn't Especially you? Especially because it came completely out of context. You know, he's sitting on the bench, Pierre Maguire is, and he is... Essentially, he's not sitting on Phil Kessel's lap, obviously, but he's pretty darn close. And, and Pierre Maguire, obviously, is an incredible hockey mind. Now he's working with the Ottawa Senators. There's many uh, clips on YouTube where people make fun of Pierre Maguire. There's the Pierre Maguire drinking game and such. But the question, he was asking Phil, about, Phil Kessel about the game and whatever, but then he just, how's your breath? It just came out of nowhere. So I don't blame Phil Kessel at all because, as, as we've come to learn, he's one of the great personalities in the NHL. But even though, like, he, say
1: that Phil did understand that question, like, obviously the question essentially was, how's your conditioning? So uh, basically, Pierre McGuire was throwing shade toward him uh, to even ask the question. He wouldn't ask that question to someone like Sidney Crosby, who was in perfect like shape or, or considered much better shape anyway. So either way, I think Phil would have been offended by that question. Either way.
0: Was that the context or was it because
1: it went to like double overtime? I, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, me I'm, too. I'm almost certain it was basically about... But his conditioning in terms of maybe it did go to double overtime. Yeah. And stuff, but basically, I think there was an insinuation that he isn't in the best of shape. Thus, why his breath might not be so good or his
0: conditioning but or whatever. The so. thing about Kessel, too, and sorry to interrupt you, is that like people, people have made fun of him for maybe not looking like a professional athlete. But when he gets into the gym, his numbers in terms of squat, deadlift the power he has are in the upper echelon of the NHL. even now that he's a veteran and you know I know we'll get into this, like he might be traded by by as we record this, he hasn't been traded this traded just yet, but Monday's deadline, he could be on the block if a team wants you know a second third line guy, but he is of the upper echelon in terms of power of guys in the NHL. Well
1: like I said off the intro there, I feel like that sort of moment with Pierre McGuire, of course, was a funny moment, but it also felt relatable with him. And uh, the fact that he is sort of looking, obviously he's an incredible, incredible athlete, but he does sort of seem like the everyman a little bit, not completely unlike, uh, uh, I know it's completely quite a bit different, but John Daly, also an athlete in the PGA Tour, my, of course my boy, but he also has sort of the everyman sort of persona, which people sort of like and, re- and can relate to. So it is funny how Phil Kessel early in his career was dogged a bit, basically on like, he's not a good teammate, no one likes him, all this stuff. And then uh, over time, and I remember, I was one of the, I was uh, quite literally Adam, one of the pioneers on. No, Phil Kessel's a beauty. He's a great player, of course. Whether those Leaf teams weren't good, obviously, he was a very, very good player at the time. But he had no one else really around him, for the most part, that can help him out. I was one of the very few pioneers that went. Wait a minute, no, this guy's actually a beauty. All I have to say that is good one, Randy. Good one. <laughs> I completely forgot about that. That's another. Tremendous clip from uh, Phil Kessel. Uh, I was going to ask next, I was going to say, what are your favorite moments from Phil Kessel? And that's that's an outstanding
0: one. I was going to say as well, too, from that HBO 24-7 series with the Leafs and the uh, Red Wings when they played uh, at the University of Michigan field, which I can't think of. The, is there a name to that? The big house? Big house, yes. The big house where uh, Phil Kessel actually lived with Tyler Bozak and they did a tour of their condo and Phil said, boy, we've had some shakers here, Bozy. <laughs> like it was stuff like that where Phil's this great personality. But, you know, you, you think of memories of Phil, of, I almost said Phil Mickelson, uh, Phil Kessel. We'll get to Mickelson in a bit. We will get to Lefty in a little bit. Actually, they'll talk about Phil Mickelson on the next episode. But, you know, Phil Kessel, the wrist shot. Just he had he just had this dynamic play uh, where he was actually playing with Pittsburgh where it was a three on three overtime playing against Columbus. We were we, I was with a good friend of ours, Chris Avery, and we were watching this. And we happened, happened to turn to it at the start of overtime, and 15 seconds in, Kessel came over the blue line. Top of the circle, Bobrovsky was in net for Columbus. Whistled a wrist shot right over his glove hand, no chance. And we saw that those great moments with Toronto. And obviously, you know he was here when um, what was what was the line that the turnpike went off the highway, or whatever the uh, a, a 30 thirty wheeler went off the cliff. Yeah, that one where they went like one eleven and two in their last. Yeah, 14 was, games yeah, to, to completely you know, lose it. But
1: I think it was even worse than that. You know, it might have been over 25-30 like games or something, something like that. One, yeah, one, one of the goalies
0: got hurt in LA, right? I think Reimer or Brunier got hurt in LA and that was sort of the end of their season. But, you know, he, he won two Stanley Cups in, in Pittsburgh and, you know, there's talk about was there controversy with him and Malkin not getting along? But, uh, you know, he's, he's had a pretty darn good career. Is he a Hall of Famer?
1: What? it's certainly close yeah. uh but yeah the, the things i would say about phil one of the things is i always thought he was underrated with his playmaking ability with his, his ability to set people up like obviously yeah as you mentioned he's a great uh, wrist shot and he could score a lot of goals but his ability to uh set people up i thought was really good as well yeah and then the other thing that sort of i think endeared people to him was if i'm not mistaken anyway the first year of the um the new at the time the new uh, uh, all-star game draft format would they be picking players from the teams? And he was the last one, yep. which obviously was awkward, him being the last selection. Like, who wants to be last? Obviously, no one would would want to be that. And I think, again, people sort of were like, oh, we kind of feel bad for this guy or whatever. Like, you know, he wasn't obviously a very skilled player, and he was picked last. So it, it is very much funny to me how the the narrative has changed on him. 180, not 360. A lot of times people will say, oh, it's it's come 360. No, no. If you're trying to say it was opposite, it's 180, not 360. But so many people make that mistake.
0: I totally agree. And, and, you know, you think the current day Kessel with, you know, what was it, a couple weeks ago last week maybe with the Ironman streak, how he he flew to Detroit, played one shift, almost got a goal, went back, saw the birth of his child, flew back to Arizona, then flew back to Toronto to play in Toronto in a game they won over the Maple Leafs where Peter Mrazik, couldn't stop a beach ball in that Oof. game when the Peter Schalgren, Eric Schalgren era, officially began for the Maple Leafs. You think for Phil Kessel, this is a guy, and, and who knows, will he get traded? I, I I think he's still a valuable piece, just for depth. You think of the, you know, the Floridas if they don't get Drew. You think of the New York Rangers. I think of the Boston Bruins. Maybe they don't want him, Phil Kessel again, because he's been there. Even Toronto. Absolutely, of course. Even, even Toronto. Why not? Why not? Well, I always like
1: to do these things that I talked in the last episode with Steve Domini. We talked about NFL free agency and some trades and all that stuff. And, of course, some things happen in the meantime from when we recorded the podcast to when actually it was able to be edited and put out. And I kind of like this as well that we're recording this on on the Friday before the NHL trade done done. So then we could look like geniuses or we could look like morons or you just never know. It's kind of fun. I think it's more fun to talk about what would be cool to happen as opposed to sometimes what did happen. It's not necessarily as fun. So, yeah, let's talk about the, the trade deadline. Uh, in recent years, of course, hasn't been as good. There's always that potential of something really cool happening, which is obviously amazing. Very often it's, you know, fourth line wingers and like seventh defensemen and like backup goalies being dealt. But what are, the, what are some of the trades you'd want to see happen that would be uh, you know, electric? As you already mentioned, Phil Kessel coming to Toronto would be outstanding.
0: Well, that's one. And, and before I answer this, you have to think of the market that's been sent or been, been uh, laid out. You know, Brandon Hagel, I think that's his name, Hagel from Chicago, for two first round picks and prospects, like well, well, what does the trade just happen?
1: I didn't. Uh, oh, this
0: happened new? earlier on Friday. Yeah, earlier today, uh, as we record this.
1: Oh, I did. Brandon so,
0: Hagel to Tampa Bay. It, it it's, it's like two first round picks here. I'll, I'll pull it up. Holy! Here. It, it it is. It is Michael. It is uh, um, to say the least weird, crazy. Here we go. Uh, so Chicago trades Brandon Hagel and two fourth round picks oh, to fourth round picks. No no, 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 hear me out. I'm oh, sorry. Chicago trades two f- Brandon Hagel and two fourth-round picks to Tampa for two first-round picks, Taylor Radish and Boris Kachuk. Wow. Okay, so... Two first-rounders. So Brandon... Okay, so Tampa's won two straight Cups. There was an article that came out recently about the trade they made last deadline for Savard. They traded their first-round pick... Who gives a you know what? Mm, they won mm, the Stanley Cup mm. for the second straight year. It was like last year. The Leafs traded a haul of things for Nick Felino. He blew his back out against Montreal and he was never the same player. At Montreal on the regular season, he was never the same player. Felino was a great fit. It was a great fit for the Leafs. It just didn't work out. Sometimes it happens. Yep. The Leafs traded a, a third round pick for David Riddick. He forgot how to play goal the time he was in Toronto. I've wow, totally Especially that game right. against Vancouver. He gave up two of the worst goals I have ever seen in my time. Watching hockey, I was a goalie. Spoiler alert, brag. Well, I already said that. Uh, you, it was, you were in the OHL, right? Current day, I could have stopped that with my jeans on. Like the <laughs> couple, like, the, there were anyway.
1: Is he? In the, he's not even in the NHL anymore. He's is actually
0: he? Nashville's backup now.
1: I, wow, it's it's funny how like uh, when players are in the Calgary and Toronto and Canadian yeah. markets, of course you know them because they're there, and then they go to these American markets. Oftentimes it's like oh, I compl- completely forgot about that. I didn't even realize David Riddick. I'm gonna pull up his stats here. By the way, Brandon Hagel, 23 years old a former sixth-rounder pick of the Sabres in 2016. Uh, as of this recording, 37 points in 55 games this year and two first-round picks.
0: He's Okay, so I didn't realize his numbers were that good. I mean, I know he's under contract for, I believe, another year or two at about 1.5 mil. This does reunite for the time, though, in Chicago. Taylor Radish, Dylan Strom, and Alex DeBrinket. Who ironically played for my alma mater, the Erie Otters, in the Ontario Hockey League. Now, why do I bring this up, Michael? Because there was a tweet that came out about uh, two hours before we recorded this from a source on uh, Brian Lawton, who I believe is a broadcaster with NHL Network now, maybe? And he was a player in the league. He's a GM for a while, yep. Yeah. He was a GM in Tampa? Maybe? I think so, yeah. yeah. When, when Barry Melrose was there, when he benched Stephen Stamkos for the start of his career? I think he was a
1: GM before that. But, yeah, uh, But he definitely was a GM. for I think almost certainly Tampa Bay.
0: I'll pull that up, but yeah. So Brian Lawton tweeted out, and I'm quoting him here, in speaking with a few clubs clear, they are watching Patrick Kane's situation, meaning he's going to be traded or not, closely to see if the trade of Hagel changes the equation. If Kane goes, expect Debrinket to go. Or, if DeBrinket goes, expect Kane to follow. Things are getting interesting with a fire emoji. Now, there was something on Instagram the other day, which I saw, where Kane and DeBrinket almost got into a bit of a yelling match. where And you could clearly see Alex DeBrinket telling Kane to shut up with a certain... Words. explicit it, and uh, explicit uh expletive expletive, expletive yeah yeah
1: so explicit i mean explicit expletive
0: yeah i feel like i didn't actually answer your original question about trades i want to see in the nhl hey right?
1: that's fine yeah
0: keep going you you do you boo for now so, so i'm trying okay so so the big so there's a couple targets. so there's hempis lindholm the the defenseman he's one mark giordano of Seattle. I'd love to see him on Toronto absolutely. Mark Andre Fleury, I mean from from Chicago. And now there's people talking about Eric Schalgren and this is an unbelievable story and best case scenario and this is like pie in the sky. He you know, he wears the same number as Jordan, Jordan Bennington, number 50. He goes on, wins the Stanley Cup in Toronto, he has a statue here. Chance that happens? Probably not very high. I
1: thought you were going to say essentially the Andrew Hammond, the Hamburglar for the Senators, yep. where he went on some insane run,
0: what was it, like 23-2-2. 21 2, and two or, going, yeah, yeah 20 wins, one loss, two overtime losses.
1: So, I mean, it, 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 do, it can happen. It has happened, these type of crazy runs. Uh, certainly, he would have a better chance, in theory, than uh, Hammond would have in terms of Leafs can score a bunch of goals. So as long as Schalber can be half-decent yep. or whatever, that'd be fine. Uh, yeah, sorry, I, I just looked at the, uh, yeah, Brian Lawton for the, with the GM with the uh, Lightning Two thousand eight, he was named, and he got dismissed in twenty ten. So that would have been around the time, I think. You're right that Barry Melrose yeah. was uh, so, canned very, very soon.
0: So here's what I'm thinking. Now, no, this is a this is a pie in the sky, and I and I repeat this. I'm thinking Maple Leafs and the Anaheim Ducks get together. Okay. Maple Leafs send William Nylander, mm-hmm. uh Nick Robertson, Travis Dermott. Sure. First round pick. Okay. Coming back to Toronto, Lind, Lindholm mm-hmm. and John
1: Gibson. Wow, huh. I, I was hoping you're throwing Gibson. I was, uh, I was going to say that would be kind of cool. I, I would
0: guess maybe actually... Morazic, maybe you might want to put Morazic instead of Dermot, perhaps.
1: Or yeah, I guess they would need an NHL goaltender. Yeah, contract. To, yeah. Uh, uh I can't remember. I know the Ducks were somewhat in the playoff race. Did so they sort of fall out a little bit? If, if that's the case. Yeah,
0: then. and and they have Anthony Stolarz, who played in London for a little bit in the OHL, but now he's. 24, he
1: was with Philly, I think, initially. And yep. then, uh, yep. I mean, obviously, yeah, of course, if you're trying to make a Maple Leafs, Leaf, you do that deal. I don't know if it happens only because of Gibson. So It's more maybe. of an
0: off-season deal, I think, too, right? To, to, to shake things up in that, that capacity. And, you know, in the the last Maple Leafs game, before we recorded this, where uh, Nylander was playing a little better, he uh, dished it out to uh, Andre Kasha uh, for the third goal in the game against Carolina. It's and this is something that when, when we've been able to watch Maple Leafs games together, which hasn't been often in this, in this COVID age, but whenever we have been able to watch together, we always comment. It's sort of Nylander has so much talent, but he's got to engage. He's got to get below, below the circles. He's got to engage that lower body. People see him off the ice. He looks like a deformed human being, and I mean that in the best way possible. <laughs> his legs are the size of Sidney Crosby's legs. People talk about Sidney Crosby getting custom-made jeans because his legs and his ass are so big, and I, this is a hockey player thing. Neil Anders is the same way, but he, he never uses them. If, if he were to turn, if he were to try to add some more grinding into his game, man, like he could, in my opinion, mm-hmm. for whatever my opinion means, he could be a top 15 player in this league pretty easily.
1: Yeah, no, he's definitely, no question, there's a lot of talent that is there. Uh, as you say, like sometimes it's not uh, not super consistent with that, yeah. but uh, there's no doubt about it that uh, William Nylander has that sort of talent to be able to sort of uh, sort of do that. And, we, of course, we touched on his fellow countryman, Eric Schalgren. Uh, of course, as of, this, as of this recording, he has had two great starts with the lease, which is, even if he only has like two weeks, like maybe four or five starts that are good, it's like a baseball pitcher coming in mid-season season and they have like three good starts and then they fall off a cliff, that's fine. Uh, even if it's just two weeks of good solid goaltending and then he goes back down to earth and he's not, is not as good, that's okay. So uh, at least as of now, which is kind of nice that he goes, and he's going on this decent run, at least the first two starts. I have a petition to have a nickname for him if he does continue to play really, really well because his name again is Eric Schallgrin. I want to uh, nickname him the Grin Reaper. What do you think about that nickname?
0: Thou shall work. For Eric
1: the Grim Reaper of course as, as opposed to the Grim Reaper Grim Reaper I think that'd be awesome but uh you know, a lot of work I think he was a seventh round pick of Arizona in 2015 I believe and a lot of times goalies take a long time before they develop very very few goalies are like you know, Andre Vasilevsky and they're just incredible right away so yeah I mean it's not it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could be a pretty good goaltender
0: No, okay so where the Maple Leafs are, because we are in Toronto, and we would both like the Maple Leafs to do well. I, don't, I thought you were going to give me a snarky comment there, but that's fine. <laughs> um, Never. So so, be, so, Shalgren's played two very good games. Peter Mrazek has been a tire fire in that. Disaster. But he's had a decent career in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Jack Campbell has a rib injury. It might be two weeks. Michael, it might be two months. It's a rib
1: do you think uh, 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 when it initially happened, my initial thought was, uh, is it actually an injury, or they're just trying to basically shelve him for a while to get his confidence back and have maybe. some time to kind of chill? And da-da-da-da? maybe,
0: but you wonder, like, like Dubas is in a tough situation right now. Like, do you try to not sell the farm, but do you give up a first round pick and uh, a dar- a darn good prospect to get Mark Andre Fleury? Because Mark Andre Fleury's numbers haven't been great. I mean, he, he you know he has the name. He's won one Stanley Cup as a starter, and that was 13 years ago. And I'm a big fan of Flurry. He can make the highlight reel saves. Yes, he brought Vegas to the Stanley Cup final as an expansion team, which is a great accomplishment. But he had a stretch in Pittsburgh where he was brutal well that's what uh, of course that led them to start matt murray that's right
1: and uh he was of brutal course, in the playoffs yeah. and uh, well, speaking of being brutal in the playoffs of course it was only one goal but it completely changed the complete complexion of the series against montreal yep. and last year's playoffs was a game four when vegas was up two one yep. late third period a horrific play behind the net montreal ties it montreal wins the game in overtime if i'm not mistaken yep, you're right and of course montreal won the series so yeah there's definitely i don't know like the first round pick for him i mean I don't know. I mean, in theory, of course, if you play well, it's a late first round pick. So, generally speaking, is it, that player going to be super impactful? Probably not. But uh, it, it, it's a, it's kind of in a weird way, it's kind of tough for uh, Kyle Dubas, the GM of, of the Leafs, because Schalgren's been good the first couple starts. He might actually be luring you into a false sense of security of, well, maybe we have a goalie here for a while. And then maybe as soon as the deadline's over, he goes back to being Eric Schalgren basically, a.k.a. no one's ever heard of this guy, yep. and bad, and then all of a sudden you're back to square one. So it's, it's a tough situation for him. I,
0: I think for the Maple Leafs, I mean, people are talking about uh, Mark Giordano being a good target. I, I I agree with that. He could play up and down your defensive core. I think if, if you're the Maple Leafs and you're starting the playoffs, and, and no disrespect to, to him at all, but if, if Timothy Lilligren's playing in your top six, well, I mean, it's, uh, it's just not good enough.
1: He's uh, fine, but yeah, if he's playing in your top like four, which sometimes they've yeah. been doing that, that, that's when you start to. Hey, man, Sandine, like they've they've had glimpses of being really, really good. Of course, both for former first round picks, but yeah, going into the playoffs, if you fancy yourself a legitimate contender, that's a lot of a uh, that's a lot to put on the you know essentially rookies' plates. So that they're yeah. you know, they're young players, so that's. I agree. Not so easy. Um, well, speaking of other hockey, I'd uh, be we of course remiss to not talk about good segue, the fact that we went to a Nashville Predators game recently, and before that, a few months before that, we, we went to Spain.
0: We did. Uh, I've not, We've been all hot? over the world together,
1: Michael. It's pretty crazy. Uh, it's amazing. We're still hanging out. We don't hate each other yet. Uh, yet. Oh. Yet being the I'm going to be out of here as
0: soon as this is over.
1: <laughs> um, how'd you, man? The Nashville Predators game. The experience that was absolutely
0: electric. Okay. So thank so. When I tell people this, and I've I've told a couple of people, we were at a Nashville Predators game. It was a Thursday in February, and the score was two one. And it was like in pretty a cold. It was pretty chilly, and it was two degrees Celsius, maybe three. It was it was a two one game in a shootout. There were only two goals in regulation against Dallas. Yeah. Against Dallas, you might think, well, ah, okay, I, I might fall asleep faster. Okay, sure, but and and we were sitting. As about as high up as you can at uh, at Bridgestone Arena, but the atmosphere was similar to that of a college hockey atmosphere, where fans are chanting. You know, for example, uh, there is a a whole chant the fans do whenever the Preds score, where they're essentially they they have some sort of song they go to. We only heard it once because they scored once. But it all, it all ends at, it's all your fault. It's all your fault at the goalie. <clears throat> Another one where uh, their public address, address announcer's name is Paul, where he'll say, last minute to play in the first period. And, and the fans all together say, thanks, Paul. Like, it's stuff <laughs> like that where in Toronto, pin drop. Fans are, you know, it's just a different atmosphere. I will say the game on Thursday night in Toronto, the Mm -hmm. the St. Patty's Day, that seemed like the atmosphere was a little better. My my brother in law Mark, who you know quite well, was there, and he said the atmosphere was great. But generally in Toronto, it's fan, (coughs) fans, excuse me, fans are there, you know, entertaining clients, Mm -hmm. and sure, that's great, you know, that that's their clientele. You wish, like in a dream. I'll get to Nashville in a moment. You wish in a dream that the Maple Leafs could rebuild Scotiabank Place Arena, 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 yeah, yeah. and make it like thirty thousand people Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for a hockey game, and that would sell out like that easily. But but sorry, so getting back to Nashville, it was uh, Nashville was uh, not a. It was more of um, you know people in their in their twenties, thirties, forties. And the appreciation they had for hockey. Oh, outstanding. And like the knowledge people have, like people were booing Ryan Suter. And I, I turned to the people beside me. I'm like, why are you booing him? This guy was a great player. Like, yeah, we don't really know. He left. He signed his, yeah, like, yeah okay, he signed to Minnesota. Now he's, he got bought out. He's with Dallas. It was eight years ago. Like, guy's a great player. But even when we were there, so we were there for a couple of days. And, you know, that Saturday they were playing an outdoor game. Oh, and, but the atmosphere on the streets at 12.30 in the afternoon, the game was seven hours away. It even was packed. The,
1: even the two days before that, uh, Tampa Bay fans, uh, the, game, the game that Tampa Bay was playing was a Saturday. Even on a Thursday, there was a tons of Tampa Bay fans already there. I would almost feel like they outnumbered the Nashville fans. And it was one of the cool things to me at that game was there was a, a woman who was incensed with a Predators general manager, uh, David Poyle, <laughs> Because I uh, speaking of the trade deadline uh, that she was uh, she's like, oh, my God, they're going to he's actively shopping Philip Forsberg, their best player. And she was so mad about it. I thought it was so cool that like these fans are passionate. They know their stuff. They're really into it. It was just uh, I, was, I, I was I'd heard that it was really cool there uh, at Predators games, but it was it far exceeded my expectations. And the whole city in general, uh, of course, the week after we uh uh, we're there, of course. The weather was like you know twenty degrees better. And it's like oh god, you know I've been there during the summer. It's uh, obviously an amazing trip, but yeah, no, it was really cool. And the fan, like I said, the Tampa Bay Lightning fans were out there as well, and the whole the whole thing. It's a it's a
0: really really cool city to go to for a couple of days. Well, and you mentioned the Tampa Bay Lightning fans, and when we were on our tavern tour on the Saturday morning, which was of the the day of the outdoor game, which was that evening, we were sitting across from. To people from Tampa Bay, and I'm pretty sure they were related to Curtis McElhaney. I'm like pretty sure. Oh, they were. I did.
1: I did not know that uh, former Leaf goalie, and, uh, and then Tampa Bay Lightning. He goalie. played for
0: Tampa Bay. He won a yeah. cup, of Tampa Bay, in, and yeah. in the bubble, and maybe in the bubble.
1: Yeah, no, he definitely was the backup goalie for sure in the bubble.
0: Yeah, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, only no, you're, right. you're, might right, you're been, right. Might have been
1: might have been the backup goalie for both cups, actually.
0: Yes, yeah, because he retired and Brian Elliott gets yeah, right, but they were both, and I think they were brother sister. They were whenever they saw bolts fan, or bolts fans go bolts and they were high-fiving people and <laughs> and you might think you know people watching hockey in canada think oh people in the states yeah some in some states oh it's super popular but you go to florida you go, tampa bay florida yeah they've won two cups but people are so passionate about the game and that's awesome to see cool uh from go from coast to coast and and even i know um you weren't there for this, but while we were in Nashville, of, of all great places uh, in Nashville, we were at a spot, and um, I shook the hands of Jordan Rogers, who, which you unfortunately weren't there for for that occasion. But I saw
1: him the night before. That's right, out of uh, Yeah, I was not there the next night when you uh, you uh, and our friend Gavin did that with him. Uh, former, of course. Oh, yeah.
0: uh, Ra- Raphael wasn't there either.
1: No, yeah, exactly. He former. Oh, you
0: know Was th- he there?
1: No, he was, no there. he was not there. Yeah, no. Uh, former, uh, of course, Jordan Rogers. Brother of Aaron Rodgers, uh, Green Bay Packer quarterback. Might have heard of him. Yeah, might have heard of him. And uh, Jordan Rodgers, of course, winner of uh, the Bachelor, whatever you, whatever you want to call it, winner, quote unquote, of the Bachelor with uh, JoJo, with JoJo, right? JoJo so. Fletcher,
0: and still together. I think the the I wedding so. planning is happening. I believe so.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, was it a, a cool experience? Did you talk to him at all, or was it just shaking a hand? So
0: a, a little bit. It was one of those where we were at, uh, and, and, you know, for those who haven't been to Nashville, you must go, you know, people talk about going to, you know, whenever you go to a bar or a club, whatever, it's like, you just hear music playing. It's a DJ, it's a speaker, but this is live music everywhere. And we walked in there and it, you know, it, it might've been a little later in the evening and, you know, people are jumping around and I looked in and, and I saw him. and, you know, we were singing, whatever, and there's a big group and, uh, as soon as the music stopped, the bar was clearing out. I, I you know, I shook his hand and and just you know, say, "Hey, what's up, man? All the best to you." And you know, he seemed like a good dude. And and who knows? Maybe he could be a future guest right here on the H Dog Pod.
1: Wow. Well, of course uh, that would be, be absolutely electric. Yeah. Uh, well, of course, I didn't have uh, much of a chance to talk to him or whatever, but he seemed like a good dude uh, in the brief time that I saw him there. Uh, and of course. Uh, we didn't really touch on much of Spain, of course, which happened in November. That place yeah. was absolutely amazing. We were there with, uh, what, 8, 10 different uh, club pros, uh, golf pros, mm-hmm. and uh, what a, uh, I mean, there's not, not enough superlatives to talk about how amazing that place was.
0: You know, you're right, and... and
1: we should have we gone there with Jordan Rogers, is what I'm trying to say.
0: I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, if it was you and me, Jordan, Michael Fudge, Tiger Woods... Rome Volner. you um, just dropping names of people. Just, that, uh, just dropping names of guys Dropping who are names that no one Andrew knows. Andrew Donaldson, Donovan and, Fraser, Matty Johnson, was- T.J. Rule, Ron Judge. Um, Ron? Uh, uh,
1: no. Uh, uh, Ryan Ennis. Yes, that's as I was trying to say. The guy looks like George Clooney, yeah. Justin O'Leary. So you're saying all these people's names, plus you threw in Tiger Woods, so it's kind of funny that uh, yeah. these are names people may not know, but Tiger Woods, they might not, they might know that
0: guy. But speaking of Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods did have an experience at Valderrama, one of the courses we played. So Spain, Spain for those, Spain is, in terms of golf in Spain, you think of Valderrama instantly. And Valderrama is, is known as one of the most highly rated, toughest courses in Europe, and... We got a beautiful day. We, none of us played very well. One of us in this conversation had a case of the shanks oh, on the range before. I will never, Michael. I will never forget. We walk into Valderrama. We're like, I don't know about you, but to me, it felt like we were sort of tiptoeing around. We're like, I don't want to yep. ruin this blade of grass yep, yep, right yep, there. Yep, yep. I was sort of like, and then and we we shot it on camera, which by the way great camera work by the way for that it was great thank you and put that away and we're like oh we're we're quite good we're teeing off here soon okay let's go to the range to call pause and so i'm out there i'm kind of like yeah you know loosen the back up here got to activate the glutes here and you know one one goes way right i'm like okay well you know no one's looking okay fine and then i look back and and here you are you've got the phone out filming Mm -hmm. You're like hey man Everything okay? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's all good. And then TJ, our guest and potential uh, future guest of the H oh, Dog, I would love that. Actually, yeah, yeah. he'd be a good guest on the show. Very good. He looks good. He, point. he looks at me. He's like, Are you okay, man? Are you okay? I'm like, I don't know, TJ. And and then we went to the putting green, and then we go to the first tee, and like like this is the European Tour was there six weeks earlier. Yeah. And the, now the DP World Tour, there was the European Tour at the time. And, and there's probably, of our groups, there's 12 of us. There's all the caddies for all the groups. There's probably five to 10 other. So there's 30 people watching us tee off. And I don't know about you. I mean, you were nursing a bit of an injury, and yeah. I was nursing a, a mental injury, clearly. I was shaking. I just wanted to get this thing airborne. I hit this thing 40 yards left, but I'm like, you know what? I'm in play. I'm fine. But overall, the experience of Valderrama, for those listening, you go to Spain to play golf, you go to Valderrama. This place is
1: spectacular. It, it definitely was. Uh, yeah, like you said, I nursing a bit of an injury, had a bit of a rib injury that was uh, not fun to play through. But I was like, I'm going to golf in Spain. I'm nothing unless my hand is like you know off, completely com- completely severed. <laughs> There's nothing that's going to uh, prevent me from playing. So it was a, a, a rib injury. The first hole, I, I must have dribbled my drive like 30 yards in front of me. Oh, did and- you? I did because oh, because you were behind. Because I was in the first group, right? And then the next couple holes, I was like beyond horrific. The, I mean, a caddy who, uh, uh, sorry, yeah, four caddy. Four caddy, And, yes. and he uh, essentially told us where to hit it, where not to hit it type of thing. And I swear, the first few holes, I was so bad. Uh, he must have been like, oh, my God, what have I done? Why am I caddying, four caddying for, for this guy? This is going to be a disaster. Like, thankfully, I mostly recovered okay anyway. Yeah. A semblance of a game afterwards. But the first few holes, he must have been... I was so bad, I would say that I, I, I petitioned a name, renamed the course from Baldurama to Vulnerable AMA. It was just so I was just it was it was a tough. And speaking of vulnerable, of course, vulnerable or vulnerable, yeah, vulnerable. Uh, they love to say that on The Bachelor as opposed to vulnerable. They like to say vulnerable. I don't know if you guys, if you guys are listening, and you watch the show. There's some words, uh, especially. And vulnerable, they love to say, and it's like that's not the right word at all. Oh my God, but yes, the, this season of the the Bachelor, we uh, I watched all of it. You watched it uh, sporadically, off and on. You know, quite possibly this show is back. In my estimation, there's a few seasons that didn't quite hit to me. I was like, nah, eh, not so entertaining necessarily. This last one with Clayton was so so good. There was a lot of uh, villains that were on the show, which made things interesting. And then, of course, obviously, toward the end. It was just like every every season they say, "Oh, the, the most dramatic season of all time," and this is the craziest thing. Okay, you roll your eyes. Of course, it's not. It's liter- literally was one of the craziest seasons and endings ever. Uh, what were your thoughts, uh, Adam, on the final three women and the process toward Clayton finding his love? It was it was quite the trip. The last few episodes. Yeah, and and before I answer
0: that, I I will I'm going to be vulnerable with you and be honest with you and be and and be transparent with you. It's that you know i i had bachelor fatigue because and you know michelle who was the last bachelorette was I'm, I'm sure she's a very nice person, but that the season just sort of it was just it was so much bachelor going on. There was no break, there was no, no anticipation, there was no lead like up. There was a and, week and, or two
1: break. That's it. Yeah. And
0: there was Bachelor in Paradise Canada, and and yes, we have a connection there with with uh, our good friend Brendan Scanzano, who who was on the show on the Bachelorette on Katie Thurston's season.
1: And Of course, we did a bunch of uh, bro ceremony
0: episodes, yes. which we might fire and, up again. And I mean, f- for those listening and fans of the bro ceremony. Don't count us out just yet, because the Bachelorette rumor has it could be back in July. Will there be a comeback of the Bros Ceremony? Only time will tell. But to answer your question, Michael, I have to tell you that they, uh, like you mentioned, they always you know, the most dramatic season ever, whatever, whatever, whatever. But, but I mean, like the things that cl- But this conversation could it, this could be four hours long because you think of like. Yes, this this was to, an, to answer your question. Sounds
1: like you're you're okay. If I if I were to compare you to another human being in the world right now, I would say you're talking like Clayton was when he was trying to talk to the final three women and trying to extricate himself out of uh, all the web of lies he was spinning and all the all the uh, missteps he had. It seemed but, like he was but, in some
0: doo doo. But but was he? He was never lying though. That's true. Whoa, whoa! Sorry, sorry, sorry. sorry. He was—he's omitting truths, I guess you he, would say. I mean, when he was talking to Susie initially after the first two fantasy suite dates, where he went on to say, "You know, I, I'm in love with someone else. I was intimate with someone else. Okay, with both of them. Right?" And that was sort of like, "Okay," that, that was a bit of a, a stretching of the truth, a lie, whatever. But I mean. I've I've got to give him credit here a little bit, mm-hmm. because he he was doing his best to tell the truth, whether it looked good or not to the viewing audience. Probably not great. I know online he was on various bachelor-related podcasts talking about how you know he was just getting essentially chirped and attacked online. Which I mean, this day and age, people do sitting behind a computer all the time. But I mean, and then in the end, how it all turned out with Susie coming on, sort of surprising. uh, It it did seem like that final episode might have been a little rushed. Right. So let me give the the Coles notes. Yeah, please
1: Especially for those who haven't watched the show. I wrote this down to make sure. Hopefully I can do as succinctly good word Mm. as possible. So yeah, final three women were on the show. He was intimate. He kept saying that word intimate. He didn't say anything. And in no other words, he just kept saying intimate with two of them. He said he loved both of them. Then he told the third woman, Susie, that he loved her as well. And, but then, uh, uh, but then she didn't want to. She didn't want him to. Essentially, she was saying, "If you've been intimate with other women and you've told them that you love them, I'm not going to be for you." Type of thing. So she leaves. He uh, crashes and burns. and Is so upset about it. Then he tells both those girls, the ones that he was intimate with and he loved, that he loved them both, and he's also been intimate with the other girl. Of course, that spit sends them reeling. One of them tries to leave Gabby. Then she comes back. They do me. His family. So it was like kind of all good type of thing. Then he realizes he loved the original girl, Susie, the one who had left and said, "Oh no, no, no! I'm sorry. I'm not going to uh, be with you if you've been intimate with these other with these other women." Then he ends up dumping both the women. There was other two women who who uh, stayed in the show together. Of course, he dumped them at the same time, which of course they were very very upset about. That was of course, now they're uh, dueling bachelorettes in the next season for the first time ever. These women were upset, but now they're, like I said, they're the first time ever there's gonna be a dueling bachelorettes. Not quite sure how that's gonna work entirely, but uh, Gabby and Rachel will be on that show together, I guess, dating the same men, which has a big time recipe for a disaster, which I'm sure the producers love. And uh, as of uh, as of now, anyway, Clayton is with uh, Ga- uh, uh, sorry, Susie, and they love each other. So it's it's quite the conundrum that he found himself in. But it seems like in the end, he got what he wanted overall. And I must get, uh, also do a quick note that Jesse Palmer was the host this season for the first time. Of course, he was a past bachelor many many years ago. Thought he did a really
0: really good job, Jesse Palmer. Yeah, Michael, I, I I totally agree. I mean, you think back to the season with Michelle, and and they had the quote unquote dynamic duo with with Tayshia and Caitlin Bristow, Canadian, Canadian, and then you know Tasha's had some moments since where you know Taisha was a past bachelorette, uh, broke up with with Zach. Uh, hopefully, uh, she is doing okay. I know she's no longer a part of um, in it for the right reasons podcast. Maybe is that what it's called. I don't know. I'm not sure, but yeah,
1: one of the one of the more popular bachelor uh, podcasts for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and you know, and then you go to you know, so Jesse Palmer comes in, and and we, you and me, are more familiar with him given his work uh, here in Canada on television, where he does a lot of stuff uh, on TSN, on ESPN. You know, obviously, he was the Bachelor back in the day, and he did a spot on job, and and people were were pretty funny online talking about how he kind of looked like Clayton's older brother, dad. His father, perhaps?
1: They, they had a Russell Brand on was one of the episodes with a comedian, and he basically said that, yeah... Russell Brand know.
0: or Russell Peters? Oh, Why well, do I always say Russell Brand? Yes, you're
1: right. Russell Peters. Thank you. And he essentially, you know, chirped uh, the two of them for being failed football players and the fact that they're brothers or, you know, t- that's a type of thing. So
0: Now, and, and I know, um, you know, when, when we discussed on the Bro Ceremony podcast, you know, different quirks of The Bachelor and... One that always made me laugh when you would you would notice the seatbelts mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. worn. And it seemed, especially in the final two episodes in Iceland, people were wearing their seatbelts a fair amount. And and to, to give context here, this is when uh, people would be either eliminated or go back in, in the SUV or van that they have picked up, that the, the show picks them up in. And they would sit in there and, and do like a, a point of view interview where they'd be crying and heartbroken and their life is in disarray, but they wouldn't have a seatbelt on. Sit riding in a car, but these people are pretty good at their seatbelts here. Now,
1: hey, I always made, and we had a, a, a few uh, guests on that Bro Ceremony podcast on YouTube. And uh, I would ask the, the people like, what's the deal? Why is no one wearing seatbelts? I always thought maybe they filmed them uh, basically driving off in this limo for like three seconds, and then basically, okay, we're done. And they didn't, they didn't actually go anywhere. But no, we were told that uh, they drive like sometimes 30 minutes, 40 minutes, or whatever. So it's like, what's the why are all these people not wearing seatbelts? You'd think seatbelt safety, let's go. Yeah, but it's not just uh, The Bachelor, a lot of scripted shows, which is even worse, they don't have seatbelts on because, of course, they're not actually driving most of the time. They're obviously stationary, but uh, they're doing scenes in a car. It's like you know someone for continuity. How is someone who that's their job is to find out and to see how do they not go? They should be wearing a seatbelt. It's just it's funny to me that oftentimes. But yeah, as you mentioned uh, on the on, in Iceland, maybe it's a different rule or something. Like they're very stringent on wearing a seatbelt. They all did that, which was uh, quite funny to me.
0: No, and you might have noticed too that there were a couple of times when we did watch the finale, sort of scanning through it together, and there were some times where I, I was going to say something, but then I stopped. Mm. I want to save it for the pod. I wrote it down. So I, I have two points I would like to make. The floor is yours. Okay. First of all, for every rose ceremony, why do they always have to dress up? Why do they always? Why does? Why does the man always have to be suit and tie? And, and this might. And why? Why do the females always have to be, you know, dressed to the nines in terms of it? You know, your make, your makeup, great dress. Like, why? Why can't we just? you know, show up in, in attire you'd wear to, you know, a place like Ruby Soho in Toronto on a Friday night. Like, why, why do you have to dress up like you're getting married? I, I
1: mean... that's, that's I had never even thought about that before. I guess, obviously, they want them to look, in theory, of course, hotter for television by uh, being in suits and dresses and all that stuff. But yeah, it would be pretty funny if one of the contestants decided, like, I'm going to wear a backwards hat, ripped shorts like, you know, Rip a socks, yeah. socks and sandals yeah. and just like, a, you know, in theory, like, you know, as someone, as you, compared to everyone else anyway, that would obviously stand out as being a disaster. That's a good point. I never thought about that, but it's, I guess they want to look good for TV.
0: Okay. My second point here, which, and this made me laugh internally because I didn't want to be too, actually, no, I, we both did laugh out loud, but I wanted to save this point for the pod. When, when Clayton broke up with Gabby and Rachel together for the second time and then went to speak with Gabby individually when he said, can I walk you out? And she said,
1: no. <laughs> Amazing.
0: That reminded like Gabby should be in Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> well, Gabby should have honey. a role in season 12 of Curb Your Enthusiasm. What do you think? About that?
1: That's a great point. Yeah, she definitely... Uh, that's why, obviously, it was especially funny was because of the fact that it's like, wait a minute, this is a, this never happens. They never say no. They always say, even though it, they can be so upset with the other person, doesn't matter. They always say, yes, no problem. Yeah, you can walk me out. For the fact that she was just like, nah. And I think that's why she became a fan favorite because early in the season, I believe, I think the perception oftentimes with her was that she was a little bit... Uh, she stood out a little bit because she was a bit different, which I always loved. Actually, I always thought she was hilarious. And then as, as the season went on, she became beloved. And uh, it's, it's comments like that, I think, that she was definitely one of the fan favorites.
0: And I guess she will be along with uh, Rachel uh, on The Bachelorette. So, like... How is this going to work? Do you think so? Like so, we saw this with, and this was really early on when I started watching the Bachelor Bachelor series. I don't think I actually watched the the entire season when Caitlyn and someone else were both the Bachelorette, but it was only for the first night, and all the guys voted. Right, Caitlyn was named. Right, but this sounds like, according to Jesse Palmer, this sounds like they'll both be on for the entire time. Now how on earth does that make sense? It doesn't make sense and that's exactly
1: what the producers love I guess the turmoil and the craziness and uh, organized the, chaos. Yeah with well, that and the potential of course for these that seem like anyway Gabby and Rachel were pretty much besties uh, uh, obviously I'm sure the producers would absolutely love if they had a uh, controversy between them so uh, I'm, I'm sure they're thinking yeah this is a, a tremendous opportunity to have a lot more disdain between the two of them which of course would make good tv so but no uh to recap that season basically yeah it was very very entertaining uh, if you guys haven't watched uh, i know we've uh, of course said some spoilers here but it's, it's without question worthwhile the entire season definitely uh one of the best in quite some time for sure okay okay that's enough for the first part of a two-part pod with adam scully i originally intended on just recording one pod But it was so scintillating, it went so long, that I've cut it into two parts. It was a blast discussing Phil Kessel, who sadly didn't get traded to the Maple Leafs, but Mark Giordano did. Our trips to Nashville and Spain were spectacular, and definitely has me wanting to go back sometime soon. As I said in our discussion, that Bachelor season was legit, one of the best ones in a very long time, so I'd encourage you to watch it. It was an epic journey to find love. On the next pod with Adam Scully, we'll chat about all the trades in a wild NFL offseason, the Blue Jays' moves, and whether they have the chops to win the World Series. Plus, we tee up the Masters, which will be on in a short while. It'll be minus three-time champion Phil Mickelson. We delve into what Lefty did to fall from grace and debate whether the upcoming Saudi Golf League will be a success or not, plus much more. You can follow Adam on both Twitter and Instagram at Adam underscore Scully to see his work for Golf Talk Canada. TSN Edge, and Junior Hockey Magazine. Now, as you know, the star editor for this podcast is Grant Roberts. He's been on the pod a few times, and his band Jasper's Mind Melt has a new single out ahead of their new album. The song is Places Called Home, and it's available for purchase on Bandcamp at jaspersmindmelt1.bandcamp.com, and it's also available on Spotify and Apple Music. Also, check out their website, jaspersmindmelt.ca. Thank you for listening to episode 81 of the H-Dog Pod.
0: Bang. This has been the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael Houndog Dog Harrison. Bang. 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 Bang.